think the biggest thing, if someone is new to tracking, they should focus on hitting their calories first and their macros first. And then this is kind of more of a fine tuning step. Exactly. So you can get better by doing this, but make sure your structure and adherence of your macros is on point before you take this step. What is up, Fit Farm fam? Welcome to the Fit Pharmacist Healthcare Podcast. My name is Dr. Adam Martin. I am a practicing pharmacist, nutrition consultant, author, and lover of living life to the fullest. Each episode on the podcast, I will dispense to you an innovator and expert in the world of healthcare so they can share their story, their struggles, and best practice tips to empower you to nail your nutrition, master your mindset, fit in fitness, and take your level of impact to the next level with simple solutions for how to live with passion and purpose. Thank you for spending your time with me today. Now let's discuss how to dispense your full potential. The time is now, or is it later? Or was it an hour ago? Or is it tomorrow? Did I mess this up? <laughs> when it comes to meal timing and nutrition, it can be really frustrating. When's optimal, when's best, and when is gonna set you behind? That's what we're gonna talk about today, all about when to maximize your macros. I'm here with my good friend, Adam Atkinson of See You Later Leaner, CEO, in his very own Leaner Lab. Adam, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for having me because I'm in your house. Yeah. <laughs> well, true, but always good to have you. Always good to hang out. Thanks, so, man. Yeah. Um, I have to say, though, like I really love your first name. I think that's pretty dope. You've got a cool name, too. Thanks, brother. <laughs> Appreciate that. Anytime. So, guys, um, Adam is a very, very, very successful coach, uh, not only for general population, people looking to just live healthier lives, but especially in the contest prep arena. Um, how many clients have you coached that are pros now? We have quite a few pros. I'd have to count back, um, but newly, like even more IFBB pros recently, and we even had a IFBB pro champion this year. Wow. So, um, well, technically last year. So it's just uh, when you have one feat, you just create a bigger feat of strength each time. And I mean, obviously, it's my client's completing these feats and me tapping them on the back along the way, but yeah. it's a... Uh, really exciting that they're allowing me to be shared in their journey with them exactly so, definitely a big fan and yeah, love man. what i get to do every day yeah and your clients like absolutely love you like you've definitely got raving fans if you guys see them on social at all um at see you later leaner it's it's just phenomenal the community that you've built man so we have it, a lot of really good people and yeah uh, i think that's hard to create like just such a great environment but i really feel like your vibe attracts your tribe absolutely our, our crew is just really made up of awesome people so it's been wonderful they've got a great leader man well thank you and and like you said like your clients do the work you're tapping them on the shoulder but that's why having the knowledge and the principles to guide them through that process is so paramount because absolutely. yes they have to do the work they have to do the reps let's say um, but you know what reps to do when to do them that's what's really important so having that guide of when to do what in what appropriate area is so so mm -hmm. essential 
Um, so with nutrition, with training, so training is huge, of course. Nutrition is really the big area because it has so much impact and there's so much misinformation, so many different things that are out there. Having that solid, having a plan that's clear in that area really will lead your clients to so much more success at a faster rate. And in nutrition, as we're diving into this specifically, when it comes to meal timing, what's optimal? Because yes, we all have different goals. Yes, we're all coming in different places, but I think there are some key concepts in regards to meal timing overall, uh, in regards really to the myths and misconceptions that are out there regarding nutrition that will really help people get that clarity so they can move towards their goals faster and get the results that they're looking for more than they even thought could be possible. So guys, we're going to talk about meal timing today with regards to nutrition. Normally, we start at breakfast and work our way through the day, but we're going to do something a little different here. We're going to start at bedtime and work our way backwards towards waking up in regards to nutrition timing. So the first category that we're going to tackle is carbs after dark. If you eat after seven, you're going to gain fat. If you eat at bedtime, the magic fat cells are going to grow, right? That's what people think. Yeah. And what I saw was great online the other day. Someone made a meme of um, basically is a piece of toast with avocado smeared on it and said, this is 700 calories at 4 p.m. And then it said, this is also 700 calories at 9 p.m. Yes. Um, people seem to think that that late night eating impacts them so much. And um, could your weight be higher the next day on the scale from eating later? It's less time to dissipate. Um, Just the structure of the food alone could carry some water behind it, and it's still in your GI tract. But um, you're not going to get fat just from eating late and... uh, I think one of the more negative impacts eating late could happen, and you've probably had clients that have this happen too, is what's one thing that keeps people from falling asleep easily is body temperature. And if they eat too large of a meal, it might affect their sleep a little bit. Yeah, that thermogenic effect. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think maybe most of my viewers have maybe had like one of the all-you-can-eat meat buffets. And if you're vegan, maybe just an all-you-can-eat buffet before, you know, like maybe 7, 8, or 9 p.m., and then you go to bed, what happens? Your temperature in your room just skyrockets. Yeah. So um, I would say in a, a form of being optimal, eating late is not bad, but you don't want to eat late or in such high quantity that it raises your body temperature and prevents you from sleeping. Absolutely. And I think, too, it's important to look at the overall day. So if you already are, you're going to have, let's say, for example, 1500 calories in a day, it doesn't necessarily matter in this context of where you put those in regards to, let's say, a 300 calorie meal at 5 p.m. versus 9 p.m. However, if having a meal at 9 p.m., is going to go over the 1500 calories and now you're at 1800, then yes, you are having more calories than intended. So with that thing, just looking at the overall calories in the day, that could have an impact. 
But like Adam said, it really depends on the quantity and everything else. But overall, the myth of carbs after dark making you fat or leading to greater fat gain is BS. Yes. <laughs> now, the next thing, stepping back. So we're starting at bedtime and working our way earlier in the day. You just had an amazing workout, post-workout nutrition. You worked really hard for a good hour, hour and a half, but your gains are going to wither away unless you have the magical opportunity window where everything's a sponge and you have to eat within 30 minutes after working out or it doesn't count, right? That's what people say as well. <laughs> <laughs> so in newer research, we've actually found that if you have enough protein throughout your day, your body is going to utilize even later on after you work out some of that protein that is there. But I think a really good insurance of that is having whether, and this is where people get very confused is, and I think it's clever marketing that you have to have a whey protein shake post-workout. And that's absolutely not true. You can have a whole food. It's, um, it's the source or it, it's not the source that matters. It's actually getting the protein in that matters yes. more than anything. Exactly. Um, and then with that, you know, just trying to get immediately is key. Now, it's not going to be the end of the world if you don't have a protein shake right after. Uh, I think the biggest conclusion in evidence, though, is to keep fats low. Um, yes. Don't slow down the digestion of what you're getting ready to eat. But having some protein is some good insurance that, you know, there are there is some amino acid uptake for after your training. And then also, if you want to include carbs to have more of an anabolic effect afterwards, uh, that's beneficial as well. Absolutely. You can take advantage of having a higher VO2 max post-training by just doing a protein only if you're focused more on fat loss. So now these are very, very small things on a large scale. You know, this might only make a 2 to 5 to 10% difference. But if you're getting ready for a contest, I think this can be really important. Yeah, you want that, you know, any little edge you can get even the 0.5%. So the general concept of why it's thought to have a protein shake right after is because you want the protein in the system as quickly as possible. It's not that it's only whey protein, but if you were to have a chicken breast, it would take you longer to chew, and then your stomach would have to digest and break that down into aminos, so that would take more time, not like days. Right. So still, it's, it's a minute difference in the grand scheme of things, but when you're in contest prep or you're in an extreme environment, that could make a difference. Whey protein, very quick, in your system, in the bloodstream, real fast. Um, then it looks at what's your goal. So if you're trying to lose fat and you just did cardio, your post-workout ideally would be a protein shake because it's just the protein to start that recovery process. However, if you're looking to gain muscle mass or weight after workout and you did a weight training session, you would want exactly what you said, that anabolic effect. So you'd want the protein with some carbs to get that started. So it comes down to how quickly you can get that in, but then what your goal is and then how important that is. It's not the end of the world, your workout's lost, but is it optimal? And then what is your goal and where is that? Are you contest prep or are you just looking to get more healthy? Mm -hmm. So I think those are some questions to answer with regards to that whole thing. Now we're going to go before the workout. So pre-workout. Now, 
I said whether you're lifting weights to gain mass or doing cardio to lose fat. If we're doing cardio to lose fat, the only thing to do is first thing in the morning, right? <laughs> That's what people say. So, <laughs> and and I look at it this way: when Michael Phelps won his gold medals, I'm pretty sure he didn't do those fasting. Yeah. Um, so if you're doing actual performance-based cardio. And hopefully, as an athlete, even on bodybuilding stage, you want to perform well. Now, I do, however, have clients that choose to do some cardio fasted. And they just don't do well with eating a lot before. But just a small amount can be very beneficial in just giving you some energy while you're training. Right. So, a lot of people will say... You know, that you have to do it fasted, and that's just not true. Yeah, you, you, it won't count. It'll take you 30 minutes to burn it off. And if you're right. only doing 30 minutes of cardio, you're, all you did was just burning off what you just ate. And they actually found in a study, which we can post at the bottom of the podcast, that actually having some food pre-cardio actually helped people work through more triglycerides, and they actually had a faster... Um, VO2 or a higher VO2 max post training than they did had they done fasted cardio. And what that means is that these people burn more calories throughout the day. So, you know, not being starving, having, you know, more calories burned throughout the day, I think is a great benefit that everyone should take advantage of if they can, as long as they don't feel sick with having a little bit of food during their cardio. So Absolutely. So I like to use like numbers to kind of articulate this concept. So let's say that you wake up fasted and you're feeling like death, okay? And you're going to do cardio and you end up burning 100 calories, okay? You burn 100 calories, done. Now, if you're going to do this higher intensity cardio, okay, you want to prime the pumps. You want a little bit of food. So let's say you take in just 50 calories. So we said very small, some dried fruit or something like that to prime the pump to get things going. So you ingest 50 calories, but then your work output is a lot greater because you have that energy just kind of like gas on the fire. So the fire is roaring, you're able to really punch things out and you end up burning 300 calories right. because you have that extra energy. So 300 minus 50, 250 calories burned plus residual versus just 100 fasted and you feel like death. Mm -hmm. So it might sound like, yes, you have to burn that out, but it's putting fuel in the fire so that it can get bigger, you burn more, and the overall net return on your cardio expenditure is greater than if you just sucked it up and felt terrible. Mm -hmm. Because then you enjoy it too. I even like to ask my clients to experiment. If you're really curious about fasted training, you know, give it a shot yeah. and see how you feel. And then try a non-fasted session. Exactly. And kind of compare the two. And now every day is not going to be equal. You know, a lot of times I mean the same calories daily. And sometimes I just have bad workout days. But you can experiment with these. And to be in honesty, like I really feel like I'm running in the mud if I ever tried fasted cardio. Yeah. Um, compared to if I eat. Yeah. So 
Um, and I think a lot of my people feel that difference. So Yeah, absolutely. Um, it depends on the type, too. For me, I enjoy fasted cardio if it's steady state, just like walking uphill first thing in the morning empty. But if I'm trying to do like high intensity, I actually do it after my heaviest days, like when I squatted, deadlifted 15 sets, because I'm in such a strong mindset to crush those weights. I'm super hyper-focused. I'm in that zone, so I might as well just keep that rolling and put in a hit session after that. And mm-hmm. it, afterwards, I'm like, okay, it's bedtime. But I'm in that zone so I can really get a lot out. And I've tried before to do those high-intensity intervals fasted in the morning. It does not work right at all. It's so. funny. I'm different where if I don't have a hard training session, that's where I put my head in. So sometimes it's just a difference of mentality. And that's where you can get some differences with how big somebody's pre-workout meal is. Um, there really needs to be experimentation on how you feel with how much you eat. And, or how little you eat pre-workout. Also, the meal before kind of matters as well. Absolutely. So, And if this concept is new to you guys, uh, thank you for you know hearing it out. But I think, you, like Adam said, you definitely should give it a try. But I do want to warn you, it's not having a meal before. It's literally a light snack. So, like, what are, what are some things that you found clients enjoy? A good go-to has always been quick and easy for my clients. So, I've always... You know, not to recommend the same thing for a lot of people, but these are so easy to add on to if someone wants to try more carbs. Um, Rice cakes are usually seven grams of carbs per rice cake. And, you know, then if you want to bump up to 14, you add a second rice cake. And then peanut butter can be a great fat source that you can use. You can use a tablespoon or two and uh, see how you feel. So I like gummy bears. So little nutrition hack. If you do 10 gummy bears, that's 20 grams of carbs. Um, so that's like my go-to thing. You can also do dried fruit if you like that, but just finding like what you actually enjoy and what's simple and convenient, that, that'd really help you too. But what you don't want to do is shunt a bunch of blood into your stomach by having such a large meal. Or if you have a very high protein meal before your training, yeah. That's going to push a bunch of blood to your stomach. And then that basically divides the flight or fight, which you want when you're training, versus the rest and digest. And if you're having a rest and digest response when you're training, your training's not going to be as optimal and you're not going to burn as many calories as well. So that's super important to realize. Um, I see a lot of guys especially how much can i eat before i work out and the first thing i'll see is like an eight ounce chicken breast so i'm like how soon are you eating that before you train and they're like 15 minutes oh and i'm like Like, let's try pulling that back sometimes they don't even feel a difference to be honest but you know the science is there and we know what happens and they may not feel the difference but we know with that protein, what that can do. So it's nice to pull that back. And a lot of times they do feel a difference. So and yeah. they don't realize because they've always ate that way. So, you know, it's definitely better than being fasted probably. But yeah. that can really ruin the performance of the workout. Oh. So again, like you said, you know, burning 500 calories during a workout versus 700 can be quite an impact especially over the course of 20 weeks or however long somebody is prepping. Exactly. Just like 
you know, it, it depends where you're at, but the little bit can really make a huge difference. Um, but speaking of like eating too soon before working out, all that takes is a few times of that and you won't do it ever again. Um, from personal experience, because just like he said, your, your body's trying to digest, but then it changes gears to, you know, work out and shuts that off. So you've got undigested food, and if there's a lot of it, and you're trying to work out, it ain't going to go well. Right. So all that takes is a couple times, and you won't ever do it again. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, how many times have you guys seen someone get sick during their workout? And it's not and squat then, day. Yeah. <laughs> and then how many times do they go back to working out after they get sick? Like, hardly ever, you yeah. know. Um, and, really and I've worked back. at gyms for years. Usually when someone's sick... They're packing up their gym bag and they're going home for the day. Yeah. So so that that's definitely true. And then that leads us to our last meal or first meal of the day being breakfast, which kind of ties into this fasted cardio type meal. Um, so that whole thing was the, the original theology of having a pyramid throughout the day of uh, the adage going something like eat breakfast like a king, lunch like a prince, and then dinner like a pauper, just kind of tapering off throughout the day. We talked about how carbs after dark is not going to destroy your waistline. We talked about how pre- and post-workout really depends on what your goals are, and it's really in the small amounts that are really going to help you with that. But then breakfast really comes down to what your training strategy is like. So are you training first thing in the morning? That's going to play with whether that's cardio or whether that's weights. And as we just discussed, that's going to really help set up what your meal size is going to compose of because we don't want to you know, pack the stomach full with that. But if it's a non-training day or you're training later in the evening, breakfast is a great time to kind of get the, everything started and get all the juices flowing. Mm -hmm. You make a great point. The, the morning breakfast meal probably has some of the most variance out of a lot of my clients' meals, and that is based on because of their training time. Yeah. So if they're training in the morning, it might be like some branched-chain amino acids, their rice cakes, and some peanut butter, or something similar in macro structure. Right, so. exactly. I don't have time to work out. Eating healthy is not possible as a pharmacist. There's so many things to juggle. I just feel so stressed out. I can barely even keep it together. Guys, if this is you, I totally understand. I have been practicing pharmacist full time for over seven years. I've been through the hurdles, living through the trenches, and through my time with that, have developed simple solutions to help empower you to not only fit in fitness, but nail your nutrition and master your mindset, empowering you to lead by example through living a healthy lifestyle. I put all these solutions in an easy to read, applicable, and simple guide for you to read in my new book, RxU, The Pharmacist's Guide for Managing Stress and Fitting in Fitness. If you haven't gotten your copy, check the show notes for a link so that you can get yours today and get started to dispense your full potential. What's your favorite breakfast? My favorite breakfast? Honestly... I eat the same thing every day. Me too. And I usually eat um, a cup of cottage cheese, a scoop of protein powder, and two tablespoons of peanut butter. So. I burned out a cottage cheese on a prep I did about four years ago because I ate way too much of it. And I can't even, like, just thinking about it now is. Uh, and I, I overdid it. My own fault. <laughs> that's my base. So, like, uh, depending on how many carbs I'm eating. Like, I'll add either oatmeal or, um, like, I'll have some rice cakes with that meal. 
but um i don't dare train with my clients in the morning so like it's a pretty heavy protein breakfast yeah so and then just appropriate carbs for whatever i'm doing so. i'm all about my kodiak cakes and the greek yogurt if y'all see my instagram stories you know what i'm talking about because it's my go-to, and it looks like artwork. I've seen a lot of people doing the Kodiak cakes now. They're all stealing my ideas, man. <laughs> I don't know. They can cut that out. <laughs> the nice thing about ideas is that you share them with people, and they enjoy them, and I think it makes the world go around and yeah, makes people better. You that's know? what's great about social is sharing ideas like, oh, I didn't think of doing it that way, or I didn't even consider having this for breakfast. Right. Like one of the weird things, um, not necessarily a breakfast food, but... At really any time of the day, if you ever had a sweet potato and put peanut butter on it, super weird if you've never tried it before. But once you've tried it, it's like, where have I been? You know? Yeah. So just like this crazy ideas that just get you thinking. And just like Adam said, going back to the beginning of this podcast, you have to experiment to see what works best for you. Um, regards to meals and regards to cardio, whether that's fasted, whether that's after your weight session or when you position that in the day. Every body is different. So doing that and finding what works best for you and how you feel best, that's what's really going to determine your long-term success mm -hmm. because that's going to lead to the consistency that you can adhere to on a long-term basis. I think the biggest thing, if someone is new to tracking, they should focus on hitting their calories first and their macros first. And then this is kind of more of a fine-tuning step. Exactly. So you can get better by doing this, but make sure your structure and adherence of your macros is on point before you take this step. Because if you're trying to perfect everything and you've never tracked before, like tracking alone can be pretty overwhelming for people. Yeah. So a lot of people get caught up in timing, but they don't know how to track macros or hit their macros. That's a huge first. point. So if you are watching this, save this video for later yeah. once you learn how to track because we will still be here to help you. Absolutely. So that's such a huge point is really master that foundation, those fundamentals of tracking macros, getting that on point, seeing you know what measuring is right, what your portion sizes are. Then once you can consistently do that, and you're looking to really get deeper into mm -hmm. your nutrition, into your physique, into your performance, that's when timing really can make you uh, elevate your, your results to the next level. Mm -hmm. But that's not going to work unless you really master that foundation. It's kind of like um, trying to look at supplements, which one's best, when you're not really even looking at nutrition or it's not really a priority. So your nutrition's all over the place, but your supplements are on point. Right. But yeah. that's like 2 to 5% of what makes the difference versus the whole thing. Right. It's like driving a car before you've passed your driver's ed test. Exactly. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, important things to note. Uh, but guys, speaking of time, we are out of time in this podcast. But thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, Dr. Adam Martin with the Fit Pharmacist Healthcare Podcast. Signing off with Adam Atkinson of See You Later Leaner. Go forth, be great, and dispense your full potential. See you next time. All right, Fit Farm fam, until next time, I am out of here. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the show. If you are new to the podcast, thank you so much for tuning in. Your time is invaluable, and I sincerely appreciate you sharing it here. Most importantly, hit that subscribe button so you get a fresh new podcast episode every single week. Also, 
please leave a rating and review for the show. I sincerely hope that you got at least one golden nugget of knowledge from this episode. If you did, please share this with one person who you can help dispense their full potential. That is how this community will grow organically. I don't ask for anything in return, so thank you for your action of support. 